Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So, uh, this mic is really loud, but that's okay. I want just to uh, reiterate that we are um, we are literally a week away from the gala, so you have two assignments. Okay, Num- number one, everyone say number one. That was like seventy percent of you. You're excused. You'll get another try. Okay, so. Number one is sign up, okay? We can't tell if you're intending to come, okay? And so uh, we, we would love for every one of you to be there. Now, listen, I'm going to clear up a, a misconception. If you think this is just for people who volunteer and you're not quite there yet, this is for everybody, okay? We're going to honor our volunteers on that night, but even if you're not actively serving, we want everyone to be there. Maybe you'll catch a little servant bug while you're there. Just saying. But um, we want everyone to be there. It's a celebration. We want you to help us to celebrate those who so faithfully lead and serve the various ministries of our church. Um, And um, it's really a night for not only celebration, but also for vision. And so uh, it's really important that we're all there together to celebrate what God has in store for us. Amen? So that's your first assignment. Sign up. Number two, everyone say number two. We'll excuse John Lentz on that one. There it is. Nice. Um, number two is uh, if you notice that there's normally somebody who is a part of our body that's not here this morning, reach out to them, okay? Um, it, you're allowed to do that throughout the week. It's, it's really this beautiful gift of communication and technology. And so we just want to encourage you to reach out to somebody, invite them to be a part of the gala next week. And um, those are your two assignments. You got them? Right on. Awesome. So we are... Um, we are in the midst of a series called The Abundant Life, and the, this series, Abundant Life, is all about the core values. What, what makes up the heart of 1010? What, are, what is it that we're about? And um, so each week we've been covering one of those. Uh, this morning, just as a reminder, my hope is that by the end of this series, I could come up to you at any random point. Everyone's going to be very afraid now. But I could come up to you at any random point and be like, what's our mission? And you're going to know. You're going to know what our vision statement is. You're going to be able to repeat it. Let's say it together this morning. We will be a people who pursue and and point people to life. See, I messed it up. Someone else wants to do this. Okay, let's try again. We will be a people who pursue and point people to abundant life in Christ. And so that is uh, what we're about. And so there's, there's two parts of this, right? Um, if we're going to point people to abundant life in Christ, wouldn't it make sense that we would be experiencing for ourselves the abundant life? Amen? can't really point something to somebody else if you don't really know what you're pointing to. And, um, <clears throat> and so uh, that's part of it. But the other part is then how is it that we then send that out? How do we, how do we pursue people in that regard? Uh, we're praying through what's next uh, for um, our teaching on Sunday mornings and, and what that uh, what that looks like. Testing. <clears throat> and so uh, we're praying through what, what is next as far as our teaching, but uh, we have two parts of really what m- makes up who we are, right? We have our core values, and then we have our missional objectives. So... W- 
who are we internally, who are we with one another, and then how is it that God has called us to move outwardly toward other people. And so um, that most likely will be where we head next um, in this first portion of our year, um, really bringing a sense of unity and purpose for who we are as, as uh, 1010. Um, speaking of unity, it is our subject for this morning. Um, and so uh, for those of you who are visiting with us, we just want to make sure you understand because uh, we were at Prayer for York. Uh, Prayer for York was hosted here on uh, Friday. By the way, it's the 24th of every month. It is our hope and goal. Um, all of you are invited, by the way, to be there. Um, I, I've made it a personal goal that I'm going to at least bring somebody with me that wasn't there last time. Um, I got it easy. Margo wasn't able to be there because she wasn't feeling well. Built in. Okay. I got to bring somebody else. That's true. Yeah. Uh, good point. Shoot. Um, anyway, so we're talking about unity today. Um, and here's what's really funny about, about this whole idea, right? Um, we, I want to explain this to you because I had two people Friday night be like, listen, I just got to ask you. I've been wondering this for like a year. What in the world does 1010 mean? And I love that we have a name that causes people to ask. It's really fun. I get to have a lot of conversations with people. Like, well, actually, this is what it means. And after I tell them, if they're a church-type person, whatever that means, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. When I get to have that conversation from some, with somebody who does not yet know Christ, what we lovingly refer to as pre-Christians, they're like, oh, that's really interesting. That's really cool. Um, and so 1010 is based on the message of John 1010. Um, which says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, and so this Abundant Life series is our core values. We're speaking on unity today. And um, I want to start by talking about this core value. I, we, we spent a lot of time talking about unity um, not that long ago. Um, to give a little recap, what we found is that when, when Scripture actually talks about unity, it really is referring to oneness, being of one mind, of one spirit, being one in Christ, right? That we are grafted in together into the family and the body of Christ. And so unity is really, in its most pure sense, oneness. But if we're going to actively, if it's going to be a core value, if it's going to be lived out toward one another, what creates oneness? Because here's, here's what's really crazy. How many of you have somebody that you disagree with right now in your life? I was going to say, bunch of liars, right? Yes, right? I have people all the time. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes, sometimes I disagree with myself, right? <laughs> but the reality is this. Unity is differentiated by one very specific shift in our thinking. Here's how we define unity. Okay, can you bring that up for me, Jeremy? A commitment to fight for one another, not against one another. One more time. Unity is differentiated by a commitment to fight for one another, not against one another. <clears throat> When you look at the entirety of scripture, and you look at from the very beginning, 
the creation account, the, the original sin, and, and how God the Father responded to Adam and Eve from, from Genesis 3 until this very day. God has proven over and over and over again that he is the pursuer. There's not been one day in your life, friends, listen, one day in your life that God has not pursued you. He's not let up. He hasn't relented. He hasn't slowed down. He is chasing after you now, and he'll do it again tomorrow. Why in the world would we then choose to be a people that would not pursue one another in the same heart? Well, I'll tell you why. You guys can turn in, uh, in scripture here. Uh, we spent, gosh, I don't know, five months, four months in the book of Ephesians. We spent a long time in Ephesians. So to make sure that we're all on the same page here, we just love to remind people of things so that we can move forward together. We're going to be in Ephesians 4. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Scripture will be up on the screen. But here's something really important to remember as we're about to read this, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. That every time we hear the word you, what, what about it? What's different in the, in the letter to the Ephesians? What about you? It's all of you. It's, it's a plural you every single time. All y'all. Okay? It's, it, is, it, it means, yeah, who said that? Yins. I still can't get used to that one. I'll work on it. <clears throat> but it's, it's, it's everybody. It means all of you. You all. Okay? And so here, verse 1, Paul writes, I, therefore, and all of you know what that means, right? When something says, therefore, find out what it's there for. Okay. Here's what you need to know about the letter to the church in Ephesus. The first three chapters, which weren't chapters when it was written. Paul did not write in chapter form. That sounded serious. Paul did not write in chapter form. It was written as a letter in the first section of the letter, conveniently broken up for us in chapters. The first section of the letter was theological instruction. Hey, by the way, Ephesus, do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know what Christ has done for you? Do you know the promises and the blessings that you have in Christ? Do you know what they are? By the way, if you don't, here's what they are. And he lays it out over the first half of this letter to say, this is all that Christ has done for you. This is all that you now have and that you possess. And these are the things that you will continue to experience in Jesus Christ. And he gets to what is now chapter 4. And Paul says, I, therefore, because of all that we now know who we are in Christ, because of all the blessings that you have, because of your position in the family of God as royalty, this is what you can now experience. And he starts off by saying, now listen, if I was going to write a letter to somebody, and I wanted them to remember something, would you put it at the beginning of the letter? When you write a letter or you write a paper in APA style, you have to write 
an abstract, right? Or, and the abstract essentially summarizes what the whole paper is about. Paul is doing the same thing here. He's saying, listen, in order of importance, if you're going to experience any of the rest of the blessings that I'm about to pour out for you in the last half of this letter, you have to get this one thing right. And he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3 eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, there's some really emphatic language in three verses. He is, I mean, he's using some very descriptive language, and I don't think there's ever a moment that Paul's thinking to himself, you know what, I think I would just like to be just kind of like without purpose but poetic at the same time. I don't think he ever did that. I think that when he wrote and he said, listen, um, as a prisoner of the Lord, he took that seriously. First half of the letter. This is who you are in Christ. This is what you have. This is, who, this is your, your royalty, your sons and daughters of the king. You're, ex, you're experiencing the vast depth and width and height of God's love. This is who you are together as the body of Christ. You have all this. And then he gets there and he says, and yet I, I, I position myself as a prisoner. This is important, and we're going to come back to it, okay? So just turn to the person next to you and say, remember, you're a prisoner. Good times, good times. All right. It will get good, I promise. Okay, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. I urge you. I, I'm, I, he's, he's practicing. He's like, I'm, just, I'm stopping just shy of begging you. Please walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling. Why? Why is this important? Well, I think he's going to give us an answer. Walk it out with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager, eager. This word eager, it's it, it, in, in the Greek, and I won't make you say the word. It's, it's actually hard for me to even say. But the sense of eagerness, it, it's, it's, it's almost like if, if you don't, do it, I'm going to go crazy. Like, I, I, I'm so hungry. I'm starving for you to actually live this out. And the only time that Paul ever used language like this through all, all of the letters that he wrote to the early churches, the only time that he ever used language like this is when it fell so closely to the heart of his Savior and our Savior Jesus. The only time he ever implored, urged, said, Please be eager for this. The only time he ever did that was when it was literally of the most essential manner. All the other stuff I write to you, churches all across the ancient world, if you can't get this right, it just isn't going to work out. You're not going to be able to experience the other richness of God's blessings if you don't get this one. And he says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, 
I don't know about you. My efforts for unity with people. Let's use Ben Gardner as an example. I use that because he was about to go get a refill on his coffee. And I thought, I'm going to call him out. All right, so keep going, man. Go get that coffee. We'll talk about Ben while he's away. If I have conflict with Ben, I try to work it out in my own strength, in my own intellect, right? When you're feeling a, a lack of unity with someone, okay, it is our natural tendency to actually try to go after it out of our own knowledge, out of our own strength, out of our own whatever, right? It's coming from you. You feel a sense of brokenness in a relationship with somebody else, and you attempt it from within yourself. Now, it's amazing how God has created us. Despite what some people may have told you, you have a sharp mind. All of you. All of you, okay? You have a sharp mind, except Don. No, you all have a sharp mind. God has made you a very capable man or woman. And there's a lot that you can do on your own. And we can fix things, and we can fix relationships with each other, and we can, we can, we can mend the disunity that sometimes happens. But this, this is what's really interesting. The verse doesn't say achieve unity. Does it? It says, eager to maintain it or keep it. Listen, this is wild. I, I love this. I, I've been studying scripture for quite some time. And I don't know why it hit me differently this time. But I'm really excited about it. I already have unity with you. And you already have unity with me. And look around the room at all these beautiful people. You, you're not looking around. You're still looking at me. All these beautiful, like, you have unity. You already have it. You already have it. It's yours. Why? Because in the Trinity, in the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they are one. Jesus described this so many times through the Gospels. Listen, I'm, I'm one with the Father, and the Father is one with me, and I don't do anything other than what the Father tells me to do. And then in John 17, he's praying, and he's, he's literally asking God to pour out everything that his people were going to need as they move forward into becoming his church. And he prayed and said, God, please just let them be one. Let them be one. Just as you and I are one. We have unity because it's literally the character of the Godhead. If you are now in Christ, you possess and carry unity with you. And the only time, oh, this is, this is rough, okay? This is the rough part of the message. Everyone, everyone got your, cinch your belts up, okay? Everyone ready? You ready? The only time that unity is broken is when we sin. When we act in opposite character to the Father. A lot of times when we take things into our own hands. And we try to fix things out of our own strength. We try to maintain unity out of us. 
This is why we talked about integrity last week. A lot of times when we do that, we end up making compromises. We end up compromising on our integrity for the sake of unity with another person. And when that happens, it allows, it allows sin to have a foothold in our lives. And, and I want to give, give a better name to it. We throw around sin arbitrarily in church, and sin is sin, and that's all that sin is, okay? Um, it's, it's behavior contrary to the character and the heart of God. Jesus died for it. You've been forgiven, and you will continue to be forgiven. And yet, what was his call? He said, I therefore, a, remember what you guys told each other that you were? Prisoners for the Lord. This is why. This is why he described himself as a prisoner. Jesus, I will shackle myself to you so that I can be like you. I don't, I don't want to ever be away from you. I will, I will bind myself to you. I will imprison myself to you and for you so that I can learn to be just like you. Margo and I are reading a book, listening to a book. I love Audible. And the book is um, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, you guys can write that down. Everyone should buy a copy. I'm not going to buy it for you, but man, is it good. And one of the things he talks about in there is that uh, we often talk about being disciples of Jesus. But the word in, in the Greek really better translates or more accurately translates as an apprentice. And an apprentice is somebody, you're, you're not just a student of Jesus, you're an apprentice of Jesus. You, an apprentice, who, whoever did, did anyone here do, do an apprenticeship for like a trade or something? Anyone in here? Clinicals, that'd be the same as an apprenticeship, right? So the goal of an apprenticeship is that you then become what you're apprenticing, right? If like if you're an apprentice in, um, to be an electrician, Right at the end of your apprenticeship, what do you become? At the end of apprenticing Jesus, what do you become like? What? This is so great. The purpose of apprenticeship, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this a different week, and we'll go more into like what this Greek word actually means. But this is what it's about. It's about being, it's about being with Jesus. It's about being like Jesus. So Paul says, I, I, I bind myself to the Lord. Why? So that I'll walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling that God has given me. Because unity is so important that I cannot afford, listen to this, I cannot afford to allow the messiness of the, the life that I now live in the flesh to, to come to the surface and threaten the unity of the body of Christ. I can't do it. It's too important. Paul, why? Why is it so important, Paul? Check this out. I want to give you guys a phrase real quick before we go on because 
where we're going from here for the next, like, 10 minutes. I really want you to understand something. There's something that you need to reflect on, and you're going to have to reflect on it longer than just this morning. I've been reflecting on it for, like, a month. And so I feel like I'm at a place now where I can finally, like, actually bring it to you. But Margo and I were away on our vacation, and we, we went with, with really good friends of ours. They're, I mean, they're, it's, it's their family. And uh, his name's Darren. Uh, Darren is a part of our oversight team. You guys will meet Darren in March. Um, he's just, he's such a, he's, man, he's a good guy. He's one of those friends that never appeases me. He's always like, you're better than this. You have more. Follow God closer. He calls out all of my garbage, and I love him for that. That's a good friend. It's a, it's a true friend. But we're having a conversation, and this is a statement that came out of our conversation. You can bring up that statement for me, Jeremy. <clears throat> statement is, we are a self-preserving people attempting to connect with a self-sacrificing God. Let's read it one more time. We are a self-preserving people attempting to connect with a self-sacrificing God. I would argue or suggest to you this morning that the source of almost every sinful behavior that arises in our life is because of self-preservation. You replaced God on the throne of your heart with yourself. And when we think about ourselves to that degree, all kinds of sinful behavior will come in. And you might be able to pretend well for a while, but eventually that will come to the surface. And what you will discover is that you are more interested in your self-preservation than you are in reflecting the heart of a self-sacrificing God. Here's how it relates. Verse 3 again, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4, there is how many bodies and how many spirits? Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One more time. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, y'all's call, okay? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and through all. In other words, you're not even a part of the gig. It is, it's unbelievable how much it is not about us. It's shocking. And yet, how many times do we move away from from discovering or learning something like this where it's like, wow, wait a minute. And we have this moment of realization like this, wow, it's really not about me. And then we go home and think about ourselves. 
we are a self-preserving people attempting to connect with a self-sacrificing God. The rest of Ephesians 4 gets kind of segmented out when you read in a modern scripture, okay? And I'm just going to highlight it for you because I really want to just land on you focusing on one thing here this morning. But here's, here's what I want you to understand about the rest of Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 then says that God gave us gifts. He gave the church gifts to the church. It's not... <laughs> This, this, I can't unpack this well enough tonight, or th- tonight. We could be here till tonight, and maybe then I would have a, ch- a chance. The gifts to the church are related to unity. You living a new life, verse 17, through the end of the chapter, being this new person, right? Getting rid of all the things that have nothing to do with a life in Christ, as you do this, guess what it's about? Unity. The whole, this whole section, Paul, Paul doesn't, he's not writing little tidbits of wisdom, right? He's writing to implore people, to urge them to be eager, to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And then he says, and this is how you're going to do it. I'm going to give gifts to the church so that you walk in unity, so that you walk in, in, in oneness together, and, and I'm going to encourage you to, to look at your life. And if you're wondering where the whole concept of being a self-preserving people, claiming to connect with the self-sacrificing God comes from, it's the rest of the chapter. Read it. This is, this is not just for me to, to teach you. I, I wish that, I wish that uh, Dave was here. Um, a few weeks ago, um, one of the guys on our security team came up. And he said, hey, he's like, what, what is this verse all about? I was watching this movie, and they said, you know, this about God. And then I, you know, but in Scripture it says, like, where two or more are gathered, then I'm there. How, how is it that, like, God is a, I can meet with God one-on-one, but then it says over here that where two or more are gathered, then I'm with them. And so it's one of my favorite things to do. I was like, man, that's a great question. You should go, you should go read it. I'm like, have you read those verses? And he was like, well, no. All right, I said, well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. You go read those verses, and then we'll talk after you read them. He comes up to me after the service, and he walks up. I, w- I won't distance to my wife, but he goes, he goes, and he hits me on the shoulder. He goes, it's about unity. Yep. Good job. And I, I said, isn't it so cool? You read that for yourself, man. I didn't have to teach you that. You experienced something with the Lord, and you understood it. And yet, those verses do talk about, right, where two or more are gathered, and they're in agreement, unity. I'm with them. There's some very interesting stuff that happens throughout Scripture. There is something that's connected, and, 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 and it's, it's not something you can go and point to one verse and say, here's, here's where it is. This is where it's at, because it's literally a thread that runs through throughout all of the word of God. God not just loves unity, but he thrives in the midst of it. You want to see a group of people that are growing together and seeing the activity of God. You want to see a group of people that see other people's lives being transformed. You want to see a group of people that have 
all the effort and ability to maintain that unity, and they just address conflict because they chase after each other. They run toward each other, and they maintain unity, and the world, the world looks in at that and says, I don't get it. I don't experience that at all in my life. And yet, why is it these people, they're a bunch of, bunch of weirdos. They, they, they just get along. And even when they don't get along, they get along. I don't understand. And Jesus literally said, that is the purpose of your unity. That the world will know. We're going to take, worship team is going to come up. We'll stop short there. Man, I wish there was more. There is more I want to tell you. We'll, we'll do it another day. You could all close your eyes. <clears throat> this is in this room together with one another. I just want you to, to take a posture of yielding right now, whatever that looks like for you. Close your eyes just so that you're not distracted by what's happening around you or what the band's doing or whatever. You can, you can hold out your hands in front of you or however you can put yourself in a posture of receiving right now. And I just want you to ask God one very simple question. Father, where am I self-preserving where you want me to be self-sacrificing? Father, where is it that I'm more concerned about myself than your body? And church, I, I want to be really clear. This isn't some like weird ploy to like get a bunch of people to like sacrifice unhealthily to serve this church. It's not about that at all. Matter of fact, when we have these more challenging moments and where we really explore what's really going on in our hearts, it is our heart as the leaders of 1010 to communicate to you that there's nothing that we want from you right now. There's just things that we want for you. We just want you to have freedom. And we want you to be able to sit among a group of people here in this space and to be one with them, to be in unity with them because you see them through the self-sacrificing lens of Jesus Christ. Father, where am I self-preserving that you were inviting me to be self-sacrificing? Where do you want me to reflect your self-sacrificing heart more? spend a minute there. Don't, don't, if you get distracted, push the distraction aside and just keep your focus on that question. Father, where am I being self-preserving that you're inviting me to be self-sacrificing?
Jesus, I love this about you. I love that when we really bring our honest hearts before us, before you, it's so quick to answer. You bring things to light so quickly, and it just shows how much you love us. You don't want us to stay in these places. You want us to live out the full life of who we are in, in you, Jesus. So thank you. And, and I just would ask that you would help every person in this room as we move forward from this time that we've shared together in celebration of who you are, in celebration of all that you're doing to, to remove strongholds and, and doors that, that have been opened that shouldn't be open, and you're closing them in, in, in every way in which you are moving in our lives. Thank you that we've had this time, and we celebrate you because of it. And we walk away holding this, this question we walk away holding it. And I pray that you'd help every person to continue to reflect on it, to, to write it down and put it in a place where they're going to see it. And friends, I want you just to focus on one more question before we close in, in worship. And the second question is this. And I pray that you would see it for the beauty that it holds. you're willing, just, just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm sorry that I just casually walked with you. Teach me the teach me the way to be a prisoner for you. Teach me how to shackle my life to you that I would walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling that we have. Jesus taught a very profound verse that he was sharing in the, in the, in the synagogue. just read it to you. to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light 
Jesus, you teach us from your very word that to be shackled to you is easy. What you require of us is not a burden. It's for freedom. Your love really get it, God, but your love is, is not demanding. But you want us to take up your yoke. We, you want us to, to place this way in which we attach to you. You want us to place that upon ourselves so that we can learn from you. Because you're gentle. You're humble. And when we shackle ourselves in that way, we rejoice that we can be prisoners because we place ourselves in that way, Jesus, but you look at us and you see sons and daughters. And so we just ask that you would help us to learn how to do that. Teach us the rhythms of how you would have for us to live with you that we can experience what it looks like to maintain the unity that you have already given us in your spirit. And that we would do it in the bond of peace. That literally we would be bonded, glued together in peace. Because we are fighting for one another, not against. Where am I self-preserving? That you're inviting me to be self-sacrificing. And teach us the gentle ways in which you are inviting us to literally bind ourselves, shackle ourselves to you, that we can walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling. Friends, if there's anyone here this morning that you hear the ways in which God wants to change your life, you hear the ways in which he is loving you and sharing with you, but you've never actually taken the time to tell Jesus that you put your faith in him, that you believe him to be the Savior who died on a cross, who paid for your sins and rose again and conquered death to give you life. If you've never made that decision, and you want to make that decision this morning, would you just, just, just lift up your head and just catch my eyes? Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful that this is how you pursue us. May we become ever more people who reflect who you are. We do that with one another, and we do that with the world around us. So just teach us your ways, and thank you for all the ways in which you are going to move and transform the lives of the people who are in this room right now. We trust you with each other. And all God's people said, amen.